I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Good, sorry about that. So, as we head into 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we're coming to a, a passage that's, again, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's dealing with, with sin and, uh, and things that we just would rather not talk about. And yet, sometimes we need to talk about that. And so, yeah, there it is before us, and what can we do but just head right on in. So, if you have your Bibles, and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Again, Paul, through this time, has been talking about some of the conflicts with the Corinthians and, and some of the difficulties and, and trying to focus them on seeing who God is and not, not trying to partner with and be similar to, to worldly values that they were struggling with. But to remember, it's all about Jesus and keeping our focus and our connection with him. And at the end of chapter 4, he speaks about a visit that he's going to have and says, are you going to be... How are you going to be? I can come with you and, and be rough with you, or I can come with kindness. Some of this depends upon you. How are you going to respond to my challenge for you to look to Christ and not to your own wisdom? And then he brings up, brings up a situation that he has heard about that's going on in their midst. Chapter, one, chapter 5, verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man has his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you in spirit, and I've already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan, so that the sinful nature may be destroyed, and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast, that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Oh, oh, Paul begins talking about a situation, and, 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 a, and a situation that, as he describes it, this is activity that 
Well, even the world doesn't condone uh, this matter of a man having his father's wife. Now, the, the sense is not that it's his mother, which would be certainly just weird, but, but with his father's wife. So maybe his father, this, guy, this fellow's mother died, and, and so his father married maybe a younger woman who he was attracted to, or there was a divorce maybe, or whatever it was. But somehow there's, this, there's a sense in it, too, that it's not ended, that it's not this one-time incident, but his, a man has his father's wife, and so this is this is unthinkable. This is not done. Even the world doesn't condone this. Uh, there's writing from Diotrephes and from Cicero and and others who talk about this. This is scandalous by any of our standards. This is not okay. Thing is, it's it is. There are descriptions of it happening even in Scripture. Uh, in in Genesis 35, uh, one of Jacob's sons, Reuben goes in and, and, and sleeps with one of his, his father's maidservants. And, and then later on in, in uh, 2 Samuel 16, Absalom, uh, after his father is run off by him, he is advised by one of David's advisors, okay, if you really want to cement this, here's what you need to do. You need to go up to where your father left all his wives and you need to go up there and, and do this Thing which will make you uh, a stench in his nostril. Um, the descriptions of it happening are not good. Reuben gets condemned for this later on in, in Genesis chapter 49. The act itself is specifically prohibited in Leviticus in chapters 18 and 20. Th- this is not okay. And so Paul doesn't spend much time talking about the incident itself or the activity it's just wrong, and, and everyone knows it's wrong. And, and the problem he wants to address is the church's attitude towards this thing that's happening within their body of fellowship. Because apparently it's well known. It's well known enough that Paul has heard about it from others in, in his interactions with them. And, and there is this sense in them, along with the other things that have been going on in the church that he's talked about, this, these divisions between who they want to listen to, a Paul or Apollos or, or Peter. But there is this condoning of this, uh, even, even boasting of it, uh, as if because of their enlightenment and their ability to take their Christian faith and, and connect it with the philosophy of Corinth and some of the philosophers around there, like, oh, we're so enlightened, you know, we, we just, oh, the body is one thing, and, and, but we're still spiritual. And Paul says, this is, this is not okay. This, and you have to, you've got to remove this person from your midst. Which gets us into uh, the idea of what is church discipline and, and, and what is its purpose and place. Uh, Paul says, expel the immoral brother. He finishes off the chapter with that, but says, why haven't you done this already? And so when I get to you, these things need to happen. You need to to remove him from fellowship. And why is that? Because, again, this this is not an isolated incident, but it's a pattern of behavior and life and belief that 
that has characterized this man and his presence in their midst. And, and for him to be continuing to call himself a follower of Jesus, a believer, a brother, it's not okay. And so the direction is remove him. Well, what's the point? Uh, as he goes on, he says to them, hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed. Now, a little bit of a confusing statement. What does he mean by this? I mean, you just you don't call Satan up and say, uh, yeah, Satan, yeah, we got one for you. Uh, you can have him for like six weeks and just do whatever. I mean, that's... Uh, the premise or the idea that I think he's working through here is, is that the church, as he's described it in chapter 3, the, the gathered people of God are God's holy temple. Uh, he says in chapter 3, verse 16, don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? That, that the people gathered is the presence of God. And so for, for the people gathered to have this in their midst, this is the presence of God. And to, to be taken away from the temple and moved outside, you're, you're moving from the sphere of God now outside of that the sphere of Satan. But the hope in all of this is, is what? That, that this, this time of being separated will help him realize the extent of, of his sin and the impact that it, it has had on him and his choices and decisions, but also the life of, of the faith. With the understanding that at some point restoration, rehabilitation, and, and change will come back so that this person can, can re-engage with faith and community. Because at its core, that's what church discipline is always about. It's, it's not punitive as in, we want nothing, to, I want never to see you again. Get out of our midst because you disgust me. But it is, we love you so much that to allow you to continue down this road. Uh, it, it, it's not good for your soul. And, and this ongoing thing happening in our midst, it, it hurts us as well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his, his book, Life Together, uh, talks a bit about this. And, and, and he writes, reproof is un- unavoidable. Reproof being another way of correcting someone. God's word demands it when a brother falls into open sin. The practice of discipline in the congregation begins in the smallest circles where defection from God's word and doctrine or life imperils the family fellowship and with it the whole congregation. The word of admonition and rebuke must be ventured. And, and these two sentences here, I, I just, I, I love their heart here. He says, nothing can be more cruel than the tenderness that consigns another to his sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe rebuke that calls a brother back from the path of sin. Uh, Let me read that again. Nothing can be more cruel than the tenderness that consigns another to his sin. Uh, What is he saying? That that I want to be so tender with you. I'm not going to address this in your life. I I, I don't want to bring up this bad thing that's going on. I just want to, I, I love you, and, and it's just, you know, I, 
And nothing is more cruel than, than not addressing this, this thing in his life. And then nothing is more compassionate than the severe rebuke that calls a brother back from the path of sin. It, it is with the heart and desire of caring and loving that this goes forward with. Um, one of the magic act of Penn and Teller, and I believe it's, if it's Penn, but it's, I, I, I could be wrong in there, but uh, he is a, an avowed atheist. Uh, but one of the things that he has said at different points is that he respects someone who is a believer and actually tries to proselytize, another word for evangelize, and, and try and convince someone that they should listen and follow and receive uh, our faith. Uh, he talks about someone who shared the gospel with him in, in an airport once, and, and he said, I respect that. Because if you believe something so firmly and adamantly that that not believing it means that someone is going to eternal damnation, then if you really believe that, you should be someone who proselytizes or evangelizes or tells people about this. Because if you didn't, then what do you really believe? You must not believe it because you don't care about someone. And he uses this illustration. You know, someone could be standing in the road, and I can yell at them long enough that there's a truck coming, but at some point, I'm going to tackle them and take them out because that's how desperate the situation is. And, and I think that goes along with what we're saying here, that if we see a brother walking in a path, and, and certainly meaning that gen- generically, a brother or sister, walking down a path that is, that is hurting their heart, their life, their soul, their relationships around them, and their, their contact with God, loving them means telling them and, and doing whatever it can. And, and, and that's the heart and the, and the call of, of discipline. Repentance and restoration is the call for them because, again, we, we care for them and love them. We want them to be thriving in their relationship with God as well as within the body. But then he, he begins to talk. There's an impact that happens even within. And he, he, there's that description here, and, and, and maybe it seems a little bit weird in the context, but he starts talking about yeast. It's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about bread for? But uh, he, he's speaking from, from, a, from a Jewish context. He's Jewish, and many of the original uh, followers of Jesus came out of Judaism, and, and, and it, as a fulfillment of Judaism, Christ comes. But the, the feast of the Passover, this feast where, where the people of Israel remembered that God saved them from Egypt. He rescued them from the land of slavery, and, and the final act that brought them into freedom was the Passover, the angel of the Lord passing over their houses, and, and where the blood of the lamb was, was put on the, the doorposts of the houses, they, there was no death, but in those without, the firstborn of, of humans and animals were all killed. And, and as part of that, it was going to happen so fast, there was no time to prepare for going. So you couldn't make leavened bread because there wasn't enough time to, to let it rise. So use unleavened bread, bread without yeast in it. And, 
And what became the practice after that is part of remembering as they prepared for the Feast of Passover is not only would they not use yeast in their bread, they would get rid of any pieces of, or, or, or dough that would have any possibility of having yeast in it. They would, they would get rid of it. They would clean and scour everything so that there was no possibility. It was completely gone because yeasts has an impact. If any of you are, are makers of sourdough bread, you, you know you keep a, a portion of the dough back before you bake it because it's got these good yeast in it and, and all the things that go with that. And then when you're beginning another batch, you put that in there and mix it in and, and it impacts the entire loaf of dough. And then before you bake, you, you pull, pull some back out again because it infects everything. He says, this is what this kind of sin in your midst does. It, it has an impact. I, I was talking with Merrill a, a couple weeks ago, and he was telling about uh, someone who had uh, apples in, and down in their storage area. And, and now sometimes you've you got to check your apples and see if there's any bad ones. And if there's bad apples in there, you've got to toss them and get rid of them because a bad apple will be touching and start infecting others and start them rotting as well. So, so he talks about, you know, you get rid of the bad ones and the bruised ones, yeah, get rid of them. And, and then if anyone were even look a little sketchy, he'd get rid of them. So it didn't have any impact on the rest of the apples, the good apples that you had. And Paul's direction is here, there's an impact by having this person and, and, and living this out day by day in front of them. Again, there is not a sense of repentance. There's not a sense that I'm wrong here. It's got to be removed because the fellowship is being impacted by this. And then he, he begins to, to refer to some other things uh, he's written in the past. Uh, verse 9 uh, verse 9 is one of those verses why we're pretty certain that 1 Corinthians is not the first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. It's just the first letter that we have. There's some other writing before that. And in that letter, he said, I, I wrote to you to not associate with sexually immoral people. But some of the impact of that sentence or writing that was that they're like, what are you talking about? Dude, we live in Corinth. How are we supposed to do that? There's sexually immoral people all over the place here. And, and, and certainly uh, in, in many of our societies, communities here in the States, uh, we, ming, we live among those who live sexually immoral lives. And, and so how are, how are you supposed to do that? He's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, if, to do that, to, that, to not live with them or idolaters or, or swindlers or, or, or whatever it is, You'd have to leave the world. It's impossible to do. But in the fellowship, this kind of behavior, it's got to be addressed. And interesting, as he, as he moves on, uh, oftentimes in the church, we get fixated on sexual immorality and, 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 and sometimes, well, that's, that's the worst of it. And, 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 and certainly... Certainly it's bad, but along with that, he, he includes, and this is in verse 11, uh, any brother who is sexually immoral or, or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, 
a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. Within the fellowship, uh, there's behavior that has to be addressed. And I think in each of these cases, uh, again, we're not talking about one-time incidences, but, but lives that are characterized by that. Uh, one night of drinking all by itself does not necessarily characterize, characterize you as a drunkard, but uh, a lifestyle that, that continues to do that, or, or a lifestyle that, that continues to, to degrade other people and through slandering them and, and, and tearing down their reputations falsely or otherwise. These are things that characterize your life, and, and, and those have to be addressed. That, that's not okay. So much so that you've got to pull yourself away because of the impact. And going again back to this picture of the yeast, it has an impact. At the core, what, what Paul is, is saying here is that you live a life but you've been changed. So now live like it. Live like it makes a difference. It should be rooted out of you and, and moved away from you. Uh, I think a side message in here too is, is just, again, this idea of what do we do with the world? Because many times as we come to faith in Jesus, many people, many Christians begin to have less and less non-Christian friends in their world, in their life. They, 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 they get involved in all kinds of Christian activities, Bible studies and, and prayer meetings and, and other kinds of activities and, and have no connection point with those who don't know Jesus. And, and part of it is like, well, I'm just, I'm just cleaning my life out in, in some ways. But part of the ongoing call. And, and Jesus says this directly as he's praying to his father in John chapter 17. He says, I'm going out of the world, but they are going to remain in this world. And they're going to face this opposition. But they're going to rub shoulders with, they're going to be connected with those who don't believe. And, and that's an important facet of what it means to still be here in this world. God still wants us to use us as lights with those who know not yet know him. And so we... We need to look for ways that we can continue to have touch points with those who do not yet believe. And, and yeah, their lives are going to be messy. But how else will they hear? My friend Dave works for a, a, at the headquarters of a, of a very large uh, multinational chain. And, uh, and this chain has uh, pretty, pretty strongly been in the news about some of its um, policies, particularly regarding gender and bathrooms and, in particular. And, 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 and talking with him, there, there's every indication that uh, the, the leadership in this corporation is, is as far from positive about a Christian worldview as you can imagine. Uh, anything goes on some level. Um, but Dave has been working there for, for over 10 years, and as he works there, he, he, he consistently finds himself in the middle of crises between co-workers because on some level, he can handle them. 
Sometimes they call them and, and say, hey, Dave, can you take care of this? These people are having an issue. And so he goes and, and he talks with them. And, and he says, you know, there's people from all different stripes of life that are here, all kinds of different lifestyles and moral values and all that. And, and, and yet as he approaches them, he approaches them like he cares for them because he does and speaks to them no matter where they're at. And, and as the course of their conversation goes, he speaks about bigger things in his life, the, 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 the centering and the foundation that he has in the Lord Jesus. Now, this multinational corporation did not at some point say, you know what, we need to hire ourselves a Christian chaplain to deal with situations that are going on in our corporation. But that's what they did. <laughs> Wasn't their intention but by nature of his walk and his faith and his ability to look beyond their activities, their sins, to care for them, help them work through things in their lives, he brings the gospel. And that's the call for us. Is that wherever we go to, to live faithfully for God, to walk faithfully with him in our own lives, but, but to help find ways to bring this message in a world that is filled with the immoral, the idolaters, the, the swindlers, the drunkards, whatever it is. People need to hear that God cares for them and loves them. And as the passage goes, people, as they look at the church, want to see that the values it says it lives are important to them. And so when there's things that are going on that even the world would say that's wrong, what do we do with that? But even more, what do we do as we try and deal with it? Can we find ways still to make sure that our, our attitudes going into it are not some punitive, angry response to it, but in reflecting upon God's word and, and, and who he is and, and the call he has in, his, in our lives, to say, this is not okay. I, I love you. This hurts to do this, but if you're not going to repent, then we're going to have to ask you to, to leave. And again, not because we don't ever want to see you again. We want this to be solved. But sometimes the only way to get it solved is to be put in a place where it's like we're slapped in the face with people saying this isn't okay. A spiritual intervention, as it were. And for them to come to terms with what is the most important thing to me? Is it this action or is it knowing and loving and, and following my Lord? That's the call and direction of discipline as it's supposed to be. Unfortunately, in this world, sometimes that gets, that gets confused with our anger at people doing bad things and the way they're hurting people or themselves. Sometimes it's confused because 
If someone doesn't want to listen to it, they can go right down the road to another church. In Corinth, there wasn't another church. There was just the one church, and so either you were in it or you were not in it. And that's some of the, the struggle for the church today is our splintering, our denominationalizing, the schisms and, and splits that have happened through time has caused us to have problems within and between fellowships. And that's another matter for us to think, how can we continue to live out our brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ, even when we have some doctrinal differences, yet still agree on who Jesus is? How can we continue to lift one another up and minister to our community, to minister to those who are hurting and those who need correcting? These are not small tasks. And so they're things for us to to ponder. What is my role in this? How can I, in the smallest circles, as Bonhoeffer says, begin to help others around me reorient themselves towards walking faithfully as Christ. But in all this, to be guided and directed by the Spirit of Christ that lives within us all. This isn't an easy passage. I'm sorry. <laughs> Talk to Paul. But sometimes we've got to come to difficult passages and, and, and get direction for what's God's heart in the midst of this? How do I live this out and walk this out? Because we face it. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, as we, as we stand here this day, um, we don't wish these things on anyone in terms of their actions or having to deal with them. And yet, we realize that sin comes to all of us. And that the deceiver can point us down a road that we think looks good and it's completely wrong. Lord, we'd ask that you'd put brothers and sisters in our lives that will help us see that. To reorient ourselves back towards you when we, we get off. And Lord, help us to foster the kind of community and love within one another that is able to to walk together through these things and sometimes say the tough things that need to be said to bring them back from a path that's going to destroy them. We need your wisdom and your help through this and we're asking for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.